MailChimp presents. As a marketer, you're speaking to a vast audience. Some people need to be converted into customers, some need to be reunited with their carts, and others have just made a purchase. But when you fail to segment your audience and personalize your messaging, you can get what's called a customer. One big cluster of customers who may seem alike, but actually all have different behaviors. So how do you turn those customers back into customers? With Intuit MailChimp, you can use personalization tools that segment customers into groups, break them up into like-minded target audiences, and send them personalized marketing. Intuit MailChimp, the number one email marketing and automations brand. Based on competitor brands' publicly available data on worldwide numbers of customers in 2021 and 2022. Availability of features and functionality vary by plan, which are subject to change. There is no other artist like Patti Smith. She's the originator, the archetype, the most authentic and revered of her generation, and all generations to follow in her trail. We sat down to dissect Pissing in a River, a song from her second album, Radio Ethiopia. She, of course, more than delivered. I sat riveted and bewitched as she talked, as you will be too when you listen to this. I'm Shirley Manson, she's Patti Smith, and this is The Jump. Miss Patty Smith? Yes. This is Shirley Ann Manson. Oh, hello. Hello there. Nice to sort of see you. <laughs> yeah, I wish I was seeing you too, but I can't stand these Zoom cameras. Oh, it no, makes me, me either. insane. They they just imagine if you're when if you were 74 on a Zoom, <laughs> you look like 110. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's true. I don't know if you've ever looked more beautiful to oh, be quite honest. Thanks. It's so nice. Now, you know what it is? It's it's just uh, staying in contact with my 11-year-old self. That's what. <laughs> I think that might be true, actually. There's a couple of things I want to say to you because, hey, how often do you get to speak to your hero? Um, oh. But something that I have really found astounding about you is that every time I come and see you live, which I do whenever possible, I saw you actually in Brooklyn at the Conservatory of Music quite a while ago now and you came on stage and I was really shocked by how undiminished you were by age like some performers you know who you love and then you go and see them and 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 they f- they feel like they're shrinking and of course I cried all the way through it and then I went <laughs> to the bathroom and all the women in the ladies bathroom were crying and it was like Beatlemania I couldn't believe it <laughs> that's so nice well I, I could tell you simply that uh I think part of it is, you know, I sort of started from scratch. I'm not a musician. I really don't play anything except feedback, really. And um, just in terms of myself, I was still evolving as a human being. And um, I think as as we evolve, uh, we get stronger. I didn't really peak as a performer till I was much older. You know, of course, you lose a certain amount of your youthful looks, but what one gains is a strength of character and confidence. And I think confidence and uh, just staying in contact with uh, your earliest self, your young self, you know, remembering who you are. 
I have no stage persona, so I don't have anything to lose. I'm just I'm just the person that's on the street talking to my kids. Then I go on stage and then I'm talking to the people. I'm the same person. So we're here on The Jump talking about particular songs in an artist's career and you have picked Pissing in a River, which uh, I was delighted by. You know, first of all, I wanted to ask you, you know, what was going on in your life around the time of writing this song? Well, this was a particularly uh, tumultuous time. I never thought that I would make a record, but we did. We made horses and I knew so little about the music business or how people operated or and I had no clear ambition that when the record was over I thought okay I did that now I can go back to working in the bookstore I can I'll be writing poetry but then we were offered a tour and we got to see a lot of the world something that economically I could have never done before we were offered um the chance to tour. And then I was asked to do another record, which really, I I really hesitated because I felt like I had done a record. I had done what I wanted to do. I wanted to do something new. I wanted to open up territory for others and, uh, you know, create new space. And I felt hopefully I had done that and also pay homage to people that I admired and uh, this was new territory for me because I, I, I wasn't quite sure what my goals were for the second record. And my personal life was a bit in a tangle, you know, just in terms of, you know, relationships. And uh, I was in a transitional time. And I was asking myself a lot of questions, like, you know, what it, whatever age I was, I can't remember, 26, or what was I trying to accomplish? You know, what were my aspirations? What did I want out of a relationship? What was my relationship with my people, my band, and the people that we performed for? What were my responsibilities? And I had a lot on my mind. And were you intimidated by the success of horses? Not really, because it wasn't a financial success. I mean, it, horses still has never gone gold. You know, That's it insane. wasn't like it was. Uh, <laughs> our our life didn't change that much economically. You know, I was living in the East Village in a six floor walk up. Um, I but I was happy because we you know we had little money in our pocket. We were able to. I had been to England and France and Finland. <laughs> you know, I'd been I had been to all these places. Um, but no, I, I'm not easily intimidated, actually. Um, so I didn't feel intimidated. I just I wasn't quite sure what my next move should be. That would be positive for my self-evolution as well as the people around me. But I had um I agreed to do the record, but I wanted to do something new. I wanted it to have, you know, more sonic energy. But also, I was having from, I think, the repetition of performing so much, and, I'm a, and I improvise quite a bit, I was having a bit of a crisis language-wise. I wasn't writing as much poetry, and I was having trouble with my lyrics. And so I started um, getting very interested in the electric guitar 
and uh, you know the sonic scape of the electric guitar and feedback and you know and creating a language out of uh, feedback and uh, so I had different goals in this record. Kissing in a river, watching it rise. Tattoo fingers, shy away from me. Voices, voices, mesmerize. Voices, Why did you pick Pissing in a River out of Radio Ethiopia for this? For this podcast? Well, I decided to pick uh, a song that was done very early, um, but that I still do with the same or even more passion than when I was young. not a commercial record, but people acted like I had, uh, you know, um, gone AM or something. But uh, it was it was not well received, the record. To put it lightly, it talks about Rimbaud, the death of Rimbaud, and, and Brancusi, the sculptor, and, uh, yeah. and um, poppies, the burning of the poppy fields in, in Afghanistan. I mean, it's not your usual commercial record. When Radio Ethiopia came out and you you received such hostility, did that cross you in any way or did that? No, no. I mean, I I was actually surprised, especially when some of these people had been my friends. Um, I thought that was it was stupid. You know, I thought, you know, I also I I just I thought it was confining as well as like what happened with the next record. You know, when we had like a song like Because the Night. Then they threw a fit over that, too, you know, and I just told them to go fuck themselves. I said, you know, you talk about punk rock. Punk, to me, is freedom. All we wanted was wanted to be free. Why CBGB's was open to give people a place to play their own music, their own songs, um, to have the freedom to dress the way they wanted, to look the way they wanted, not to be dictated to. If I could have a hit song, great. If I could do the lowest of the low song, great too. But um, you know, I I that stuff really never bothered me. It bothered musicians or sometimes the composers of the songs more than it would bother me because, you know, I have a pretty thick skin. And is it true that the one of your record execs wanted you to change the title of Pissing in a River? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, How did that go down? Well, they wanted. They said, "Swimming in the river." Can you change it to? It caused <laughs> actually. It, it caused a bit of conflict because my co-writer, of course, was not happy about the fact that I had inadvertently titled the song or 
you know, written a lyric in the song that was probably going to hurt it uh, commercially. But I didn't uh, write it to be a commercial song. I just wrote it. I don't think like that. And there wasn't another word I could find that um, that <laughs> could convey the feeling of the song, you know. The idea of taking a piss is like relieving oneself. And the song was like it's dumping everything that was on my mind through a song. Yeah, it hurt us, you know. Again, another reason that, you know, it was ridiculous for people to think uh, it was a big commercial sellout. The song, uh, the actual cover had P dash 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 ING in a river <laughs> on the cover. And it, I think, I don't know if the record was beeped, but they would beep it on radio. So it oh would go God. beep in a river, you know. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> beep beep. So it it uh, it it. Um, so you won the you won the argument, obviously, clearly. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to lose because I don't lose. I mean, I'm happy to compromise for things that are to the greater good, but the the reasons were not the greater good. The reasons to change something that I felt, you know was 100% expressive of what I was trying to express. To change them so I could get more airplay was not, that is not the greater good. actually wrote the lyrics to this as a poem uh, quite a bit before we had recorded it. And um, I was listening to uh, our guitarist, Ivan Kral, uh, sitting around writing some, he was playing some chords, and something about those chords reminded me of my poem. Um, that's often how I would write a song. I would hear Lenny playing something, and it, I'd think, oh, it has the same cadence of this poem. And um, because I'm not a natural lyric writer, I find it very difficult writing lyrics. And um, this poem, uh, it, it sort of it contained the things that most were um, swirling around me, my most, the things that were concerning me, what I was supposed to do with my life. And it's... Um, <laughs> But I did choose it because of that. Also, it was a song that I really wanted Jack Douglas for. I had a, a vision of this song climbing at the end, and I knew that he could help us achieve the climb. I just imagined the song, instead of having verse, chorus, verse, chorus, that it would do something, uh, either a key change or something that would keep it climbing. And he understood my um, sort of abstract language and helped uh, us achieve that. I did the song recently on a live stream and felled it just as much as I felled it as a young girl recording it. I'm a slave, I'm free When are you coming?
interesting thing is it's not a love song it's more of a song acknowledging three important men in my life not necessarily boyfriends and sadly all of them have passed away um, as well as Ivan who uh, wrote the chords for the song so it, it has a certain added poignancy so can you remember recording this yes do you remember what studio it was at yes it was in the record plant and I think it was the last vocal that I did on the record. Um, and uh, I remember it clearly because there was nobody there but uh, Jack Douglas and our engineer, Jay Messina. Jimmy Iovine might have been there because he was engineering next door and he would come in and out. And my brother, Todd, also who has passed away, and I was in a highly agitated state because I had had a argument with a fella, but I was in a very agitated state, and my brother knew it, and he um, he came into the vocal area and stood there uh, with me while I did the while I did the uh, vocal because he knew me so well and he knew that, you know, I might just like decide not to do it. You know, I was, I was just, a, I was in an agitated state. It was the end of the record. We were all frayed. And, uh, and my brother was such a, such a calming uh, influence. And it was so cool to have him in there. And I'm, you know, I'll always have that memory. I'll always cherish that because he just stood there you know, my brother was really, really such a cool guy, and my brother Todd. And um, so I remember it well. I, re I remember it well. Um, did anybody speak to you about if you wanted to recite this, the lyrics? Yes, I, I brought it for you. Would you mind sure. doing that just now? Yeah, I, I have to say I don't remember. I haven't recited it since probably the 70s, so... <laughs> Let's see. I feel very excited. <laughs> I'm actually getting goosebumps, actually. Okay. Pissing in a river, watching it rise. Tattoo fingers shy away from me. Voices, voices, mesmerize. Voices, voices, beckoning sea. Come, 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 come back, come back come back spoke of a wheel tip of a spoon mouth of a cave I'm a slave I'm free when are you coming hope you come soon fingers fingers encircling thee come 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 my bowels are empty excrete in your soul what more can I give you baby I don't know what more can I give you to make this thing grow? Don't turn your back now. I'm talking to you.
Thank you so much. I'm really, really thrilled to speak with you today, Patty, and I can't wait to see where you grow next. Well, um, lots of love and hope you to too. see, hope our paths will cross soon. The Jump is an original series from MailChimp, produced in partnership with Little Everywhere. Dan Gallucci and Jane Marie are the executive producers. The Jump is mixed by Mike Richter. Original music composed by Rishikesh Hirway. And a very special thanks goes to our wonderful booker, Mara Davis. <laughs>